some of my greatest successes have come off the, the backs of fail events. You know, I've always been very inspired by WD-40. Yeah. Right? You know, it stands for Water Displacement 40th Attempt. I mean, that to me is the perfect summary of how innovation works. And so, you know, I've, people ask me, you know, when they ask me about um, my background, I often say that I describe my career as a series of glorious failures. Um, and, and that's helped me get to where I am now. Welcome to the Being Human is Good for Business podcast. In each episode, the leadership development experts at Trilogy Effect explore how the process of self-discovery unleashes potential in us all. Now, here's your host, Sherilyn Starkey. Hello, I'm Sherilyn Starkey. Welcome to Being Human is Good for Business. It's the podcast for business leaders who want to build high-performance teams. Today, I'm joined by Trilogy Effects Managing Partner, Heather Morass. Hi, Heather. Hi. So we launched this podcast to help people who manage people discover who they are as a leader and as a human being, and how they can unleash the full potential of their organizations. It's something that Heather and the team at Trilogy Effect have a lot of experience in. Among their clients are many household names. She's also helped a lot of technology executives build their leadership capacity and build high-performance teams. And that's exactly the kind of work she and her team have been involved in with today's guest, Mike Potter, who's the CTO at Click, a business intelligence technology company. Now, I've done a little research and I've learned that more than 50,000 companies worldwide depend on Click technology for crucial business insights. The company has more than 2,000 employees and operations in 30 countries. Now, you don't get to be the top technical person at such a company without learning a few things along the way about leaders and leadership. So we're super excited about what our listeners are going to learn today from you, Mike. Welcome to the show. Happy to be here. So let's start by telling us a little bit about your career background, Mike. Oh, well, it goes back a ways. This gray hair was not earned easily. I, I started my career as a basically as a, a software developer focused on building, doing language builds for a company I work for called Cognos. So I, you know, for those who know the various types of roles within R&D organization, you know, being a member of the build engineering team was a great way for me to start my career. It was a very junior position and I worked my way out from there. And tell us a little bit more about Click and your current role. Yeah, so I've, I've been at Click now since uh, 2014. I joined as the head of R&D. My whole career has been in the area of business intelligence. As I said earlier, I played a role in various roles in, in Cognos, and then when Cognos got acquired by IBM in around 2008. I joined IBM with Cognos, and during my tenure at IBM, I had various roles, including being a, an IBM Distinguished Engineer. At Click, you know, my role was really about delivering and transforming the R&D organization to go from building on-premise software, single product, to building multiple product lines across multiple geographies, both on-premise and in the cloud. The team has more than quadrupled its size in my time uh, with the company, and I've also moved into the role of a CTO about three and a half years ago. And what do you love about being a CTO? Oh, that's a great question. I think the, the biggest thing is what I've learned through leadership in general is just the, the, you know, the, the skills that you have as an individual get you to a certain point in your career. And, and you really have to go through a kind of a metamorphosis to being able to understand how to uh, make everyone around you successful and use that to actually amplify what you're good at. 
And so in the role that I'm in, I have the pleasure of working with some extremely smart people and I just get honored by them every day. And if I can serve a role of inspiring them to do great things, then I think I consider myself successful. What do you think makes a great leader? Well, there's a lot of things that go into that. I think personally, it's really about understanding your strengths and limitations being able to surround yourself by people who not only compensate for those uh, limitations, but challenge you on a daily basis to be better yourself. And then just finding a way to work with them in a way that is inspiring for everyone. And, and I, I use the word inspire a lot because it's a huge difference between managing a team and leading a team. And so for me, you know, leading technology has always been my, my strength. You know, I have a real passion for it. I enjoy seeing how trends translate into reality. And I often like to, you know, challenge the norm. And so teams that, that do well uh, in, in an organization like that are, are teams who like to innovate, teams who like to take risks, teams who treat failure as data as opposed to a catastrophe. And, and more importantly, like to make new mistakes every day. What do you think about that, Heather? Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I was just thinking, I don't know many people who would say, I like to make new mistakes every day. And what a wonderful, you know, thing it would be if that were more the case for us, that we felt safe enough for that. Well, it's, 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 it definitely requires creating a climate that's and a culture that supports it. I mean, it's very easy to get locked into delivery deadlines and the pressure of, of the realities of what a business needs. But at the same time, you can over-rotate on that. And if you uh, make people afraid to take risks, you you can't lead. You can't be the best in the industry. You can't uh, do things that others aren't. Uh, And with that comes failure. And some of my greatest successes have come off the the backs of fail events. You know, I've always been very inspired by WD-40, right? You know, it stands for Water Displacement 40th Attempt. I mean, that to me is the perfect summary of how innovation works. And so, you know, I, people ask me, you know, when they ask me about um, my background, I often say that I've described my career as a series of glorious failures. Um, and, and that's helped me get to where I am now. Can you give us an example of a failure that's turned into something awesome for you? Well, as you know, some of my, my greatest inventions in my time, you know, building product have really um, been learning events or based on learning events from things that didn't work. And so being able to, everyone talks about failing fast, but I also believe in this idea of failing productively, right? Being able to, to take a risk on something that you know there's a, a margin of error for failure, but also even in the failure, figure out what you're going to get from it. And so plan, plan for the success, but also plan for the failure, right? And then use that to, to build on top of that. And, and for me, that approach has actually turned out quite well in a few cases where I didn't get it quite right the first time, but, you know, the sphere of WD-40, I got it right. And when I did, it worked out quite well. When you hear someone's job title is chief tech officer, you don't think that it's something very creative, but it sounds to me like you're in a very creative job. Well, yes, there's lots of different breeds of people in, in the types of jobs I have. I think creativity is just what you bring to the job. And so nobody really owns this idea of being an, uh, an innovator or an inventor or a creator. It's just, it's either you, you have a skill or you don't. And so regardless of the roles people have in the organization, personally, I try to find folks who are the most creative and give them the opportunity to be creative regardless of what their roles are. Mm. It's a good perspective. And you and Heather have been working together for how long now? 
Well, I, obviously, if I say that, then that dates us both. <laughs> That's okay. That's I, okay. I'll just say that uh, I've had the pleasure of, of learning from Heather for many years and, and frankly would credit, uh, credit her and, and, and the leadership training I've received to help influence how I approach things today. And so it's been, uh, been for me, a very, very good investment. I've been very fortunate to work for employers who saw the importance of investing in leadership and leadership development, and it definitely helped me. And I know that one of the tools that Heather and her team work with is the Enneagram. Do you have any exposure to that? As a matter of fact, myself and my leadership team both went through the Enneagram. And, you know, it's, it's quite an interesting exercise because, you know, when you put a bunch of engineers in front of a, a model like this, the first thing they do is reverse engineer it. So they're trying to right. figure out how it works, how to game it, how to figure it out. I think the, the fun part about the Enneagram is that it's not a, a label. It's a tool, right? And so you need to use it, you know, in that context. And I think that what it what it serves to do is it helps point things out that may not be obvious to you, uh, blind spots, things you take for granted, things that others may take for granted of you. And I think that it, it's, uh, it adds more perspective. So Heather, can you give us some reflections on the Enneagram work that you've done with Mike and his team? Yeah, we... We introduced it a while ago, actually, and I, it's always fun and interesting to me to bring the Enneagram to a highly technical team, like like Mike said, people who are oriented towards analysis and tech and precision, and you know things have to hold together. They're rigorous in their approach on things, thinking in particular, and what was wonderful and ultimately reaffirming is at the end of the day, we're dealing with human beings and all human beings are interested in learning more about themselves and each other. And his team very much was completely engaged in that. And we've continued to, you know, use the information as a way to support people's self-reflection and their own development and find ways to it's very practical things. Like if I'm approaching a situation that I think might have some conflict, what's my best way to, first of all, keep myself in a place where I'm centered and open and effective? And what are the ways that I might be able to navigate the likely resistance that mm-hmm. I'm, I might meet here and appreciate why it's there and find a way through it constructively? So yeah, it's been well-received, and like Mike said, it was rigorously tested intellectually, for sure, including by Mike, <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, it's been really helpful. One thing I would add, if I may, is yeah. uh, I think um, a device like this really benefits from a, a, a you know dynamic where there's lots of trust and willingness to, yeah. to be open i think that it just allows everybody to engage better and not see it as a threatening thing right you know it requires a level of leadership maturity as well yeah that's very true are you working differently now that you have this knowledge as a team well i think 
the short answer is a number of folks on my leadership team are actually engaged with leadership development in a number of different ways. You know, Heather's coaching some some of the folks on my team. We're trying to continue on and, and maintain that momentum of what we've been doing. I think that it is a practice. It's not a perfection. And so you're, you, you got to do it every day and you got to catch yourself when you're not doing it. And you got to be open enough to catch your colleagues when they're slipping. It is definitely something that you have to push yourself into in the beginning because, you know, sometimes these muscles aren't obvious, but I'd like to say that we're getting better every day. Good. And now from your company's profile, I'm assuming that your, your leadership team is fairly multicultural. We have a very, very dynamic and diverse group culturally, and and that brings its own set of interesting dynamics. It's uh, quite interesting seeing how the, the different countries approach challenges, problems, conflicts, things like that. We're, we're sort of reaching each other into more of a central approach culturally, and uh, you know, while obviously honoring our local our local countries where we come from and who we are. That's inspiring, really. Well, it's, it's also a practice because I, I got to say that if you put a, a, one, one is at one end of the extreme and the other is at the other end of the extreme, I'm not going to mention which ones, but if you do any <laughs> research, you can see I have a very interesting cultural challenge inside my team given the locations. And over the last, what is it now, 18 months we've been in a pandemic? Have, has the pandemic situation brought any new leadership challenges? Well, you know, it's, I have to say we've, I've been very fortunate because our team discipline has been multi-location anyways, and the way we've led them is to collaborate uh, across locations. And so over my career, I've been in situations where I've had a more effective leadership and communication across oceans than I've had across floors. You know, it has nothing to do with where you sit. It has more to do with who you are and how you, how you work with other people. And so a big part of what we do is we try to, we try to really force that, that, that collaboration and that invariably takes you virtual. And so I have a, a simple philosophy. You recharge your relationship batteries in person and you deplete them virtually. And so what you do is, you know, you, you recognize the fact there is a virtual element to the job no matter what you do. And you just give opportunities for people to get face to face. The pandemic's made that harder, the face to face part. But because we've got such good virtual habits and behaviors. It really hasn't affected us that much from a productivity standpoint, a team development standpoint, even culturally. We've been able to still do our jobs and, and still interact both professionally, socially, and otherwise. That's good news. I love that, the way you describe the, the relationship, you recharge in person and you drain. What did you call it? Deplete it. Yeah, Deplete it virtually, Vir- yes. virtually. I love it. I thought it was incredibly apt. I hadn't heard it articulated mm-hmm. quite that way, but I've certainly felt it. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, nothing beats you know two people at a whiteboard. But at the same time, <laughs> if you're if you're trusting and you have a relationship with that person, you can get pretty far virtually. And and the only thing that works against you ultimately is time. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so true. So true. So the pandemic has put in a lot of time into that equation. So you must find that people are starting to get a bit hungry to reconnect in person. Is that what you're noticing or? I would say that leading an engineering team, you know, I have a fair share of introverts in my team are quite happy working from home, um, (laughs) doing their part, you know, so it's, it's, I think other types of functions would probably feel it more. We've been able to adjust. Heather, what do you love about working with 
technology teams, technology companies? Well, Mike actually touched on it. What I really like and actually what I deeply respect is the kind of innovation required especially in the field that Mike's in and his company in software development. This is, it takes a lot to continuously innovate and invent what hasn't, what doesn't exist yet on a timeline. And that's what they do over and over again. That takes a lot of courage. Like the, I know Mike and his team for sure over the years consistently have to commit to deliverables that they don't know, quite know how to build over and over and over again. And sometimes they fail. Mm -hmm. And so, you you know, all of that stuff he talked about, you know, having a culture that where there's permission to fail and all cultures, even when you have permission to fail, no human being enjoys it. Except maybe Mike, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure enjoys the right word, but I, I seem to value it. So. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So, you know, that takes, to put yourself out there over and over and over again, mm -hmm. I just have nothing but respect for that. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I enjoy about working with uh, people in technology and actually people in an R&D function in general, you know, drug development and even product development, manufacturing development, anything that requires invention and innovation, that takes guts. And I, I have a lot of admiration for that. And resilience too, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I think that comes with the job. So, Mike, I understand this isn't your first podcast appearance that you you were recently participated on an internal podcast at Click. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah, it was a bit of a it was a fireside chat. It was uh, really geared around just the promotion of mental health. It was the timing of it was in conjunction with the pandemic, and 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 one thing that we were very cognizant of is that different people are having different journeys and going through different experiences dealing with. The change in their lives, whether it be working remotely from home or the added pressure of trying to work and have kids, kids and getting them in, through school or being constrained to a small living space or there's all kinds of different manifestations mm. of those challenges and obviously different countries at different stages and going through waves and things. And so we felt it was important to just sort of connect with them and, and let them know that we all are going through it. And, and so the, the chat was really focused on me kind of providing some perspective of my own in terms of my own personal experience. And I think it went over pretty well. And what did you learn about yourself as a leader from being so honest? I think I'm at a point now where I'm, I'm really not that I'm not afraid of, of opening up and sharing who I am and what I'm not and, and my limitations. Um, I think if anything, my, one of my skills is that I know where my limits are. And so, you know, I've, I have kind of an early warning system. So I know when I'm under a certain amount of stress or I'm feeling isolated or, or whatever too much into my head, whatever it is. And that, that early warning system is you know, a good opportunity for me to catch myself and to make a correction. I've really come to appreciate the value of, of being of physical fitness and, and exercising. It is extremely therapeutic. When you're sitting at a desk all day long, they get out and, and just do something like even go for a walk. In my case, I like to exercise as much as I can. And, and I think that the benefit of that is just it just helps. It helps you physically. It helps you emotionally. It helps you mentally. And then last but not least is just surrounding yourselves with colleagues and mentors, regardless of who they are. I have 
I have colleagues that I are, you know, peers who I used to work for in other companies, people who are in my organization who I consider mentors, people who just help me, you know, recalibrate myself whenever I feel like I'm wobbling. And, and so all of that combined is what I, I, I focus, use to keep myself centered. And I obviously couple that with, I'm quite disciplined about my day. I find that the, the rigor of, of scheduling and, and discipline helps out a lot as well. It just, it, uh, it takes the mind wandering and keeps it in check as well. And are you seeing, Heather, with some of the other leaders that you're coaching, kind of typical strategies and, and a typical way of communicating with their teams about coping during I don't want to say tough times, but let's say different times or unusual times. Yeah. Well, you know, I think when I reflect on people in roles like Mike's, certainly at the sea level, almost all of our clients have some sort of physical practice they need to. It's a really important way of just, first of all, making a break with the constant on, having to be on all the time. You're always performing. You're always producing. You're always moving to the next thing. So taking a break to actually get back into your body and actually it helps you, it well helps your nervous system, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And pretty much all of our clients at that level have some sort of practice and are pretty disciplined about it and feel it when they aren't, when they haven't got, you know, enough room in their day. So I would say the pandemic helped people to some degree because they weren't on airplanes as much. People were able to be a little bit more predictable in their routines. Mm. So they were able to use that to their advantage. Yeah, I spent, I spent the first part of my uh, uh, time here at Click working in Sweden and really come to appreciate their approach. They're very disciplined about when they work and when they don't work. I find in North America, we're really prone to leakage, right? The, the workday leaks into the evening and it mm. leaks into the weekends and and th- that can actually be quite detrimental to your overall mental state because you, you, you because your office is in the same building as where you your family is and your life is, it's hard to know where your, your day ends and your life begins. And so, you know, having having that kind of discipline is is extremely important as well. Yeah, Mike, what do you appreciate most about Trilogy Effects' approach to high performance teamwork and coaching? The coaches bring so much to the table in terms of their experience and what they personally bring to it. I think the ability to tune the approach to the to reading the room and understanding the dynamic of the of the group and understanding what they need, I think, is also a very important element of it. Obviously, having a, a foundation of, of education and knowledge to help provide that basis for having the conversation, but being prepared to go where it needs to go to meet the needs of the group and the organization, I think is a critical element as well. And Heather, what have you learned the most about working with Mike and his team at Click? Again, the importance of being willing to get creative. All the things we said earlier about the innovation, working with Mike and his team required us to innovate on the fly as well, to be willing to fail and regroup, take input, adjust, just stay with what's needed and wanted and be willing to abandon our, any agenda that we might not even realize we have. And that, because the, it's about a co-creative kind of a relationship with our clients. Our work only works that way. 
I love the concept of the coach and the client working together to co-create an environment for leadership development. And of course, knowing that each environment is unique and is as different as the people working in them. So thank you, Heather, for sharing your experiences as a coach. And thanks also to Mike Potter, Click's CTO, for joining Heather and me on today's podcast. And so generously sharing your own knowledge and experience with our audience. In this episode of the Being Human is Good for Business podcast, we got a lot of practical insight for leaders or for anyone really who manages other people. Now, dear listener, I have a question for you. Which of Mike's lessons will you put into play with your team? Will you encourage your teams to experiment even though they risk failure? Will you learn more about the Enneagram and how it might help your team? Will you become more open about your own trials and tribulations? You can reach us by visiting our website at TrilogyEffect.com or via social media. We'll include links to our socials in the show notes. We'll also include links to other helpful information and resources to help you be your best as a leader, including a link to our new free leadership guidebook. And please make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to this podcast. Please leave a rating or a review and recommend us to friends and family or anyone who wants to learn how to become a better, stronger, more effective leader. I'm your host, Sherry Lynn Starkey, and this is the Being Human is Good for Business podcast.